This is the Talent, Sales, and Scale Show. What do you mean by future proof? What's that even mean? So for us, I think the biggest thing is, you know, looking at what's coming in the digital space in, in the hot button issues of um, automation and additional MarTech platforms, et cetera. When we look at future proofing, we're trying to say, you know, what if we woke up today and Google, for example, took over all of the keys and didn't let us change anything on their platform or Facebook ads had no more targeting, which every day that passes could conceivably become more of a reality on something like that. What is going to keep the marketing spend that's occurring online profitable for folks? How do we, uh, with a finite amount of ad inventory and space on any single search query or website visit, how do we keep our clients when they have 20 competitors out there top of mind and visible? And how do we provide them the type of tracking, attribution, and reporting as we move toward a cookie-less future, a more privacy-focused future, how do we continue to give them visibility and ensure that a year from now, they're going to have the same amount or better visibility into what they got as a business out of their investment as they do right now? Um, and, and without that, if you look at all the news of the digital space, that's that's a very difficult thing that's either already here in some cases or coming that, that we're trying to future-proof against is that inability to directly see and track some of what's happening and that inability sometimes to, to be able to play in the same ad space without throwing a ton more money at it just because of the noise and the competition there. Yeah, no, so what would you say, and I'll, I'll, you're making a hard right turn here, what would you say that future-proofing on, say, this Web3, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's going to switch things up quite a, quite a bit. Are we looking that far ahead, or can you speak to that at all? Yeah, I definitely think, um, I definitely think that there's a, a big scenario where, where that comes into play. And, and folks have been talking about, you know, um, using the blockchain more and, and diving into some of that. And I think time will tell how commonplace that becomes. I know there are marketing platforms and automation platforms specifically for Web3 coming out, a lot of it for dealing in NFTs and things of that nature. But even as you look at stuff like the metaverse and all that, like all of a sudden, all marketing is focused on that. You know, digital is always about what is the hot new thing in the press right now. And um, for some brands, it's let's create some NFTs and sell them. For others, it's how do we get involved with blockchain and with Web3? How do we become more privacy-centric um, and uh, owning solely you know, our zero-party data and, and no one else and capitalizing all that? And I think having an eye toward all of that is going to be imperative because, again, Google can still be an 800-pound gorilla in digital marketing, but they'll be around a while, but they won't be the only game in town forever. There's always something new coming. Two years ago, there was never a TikTok or a Snapchat ads. Everyone was on Facebook and Instagram. Now look at how almost boringly every day it is to be on TikTok and Snapchat. What launches tomorrow that we haven't even caught wind of yet? Um, and, and I think that's the, that's the biggest area that we often see kind of left behind in marketing conversations. And one of the biggest mistakes we often see made is there's such a rush to say, I'm a B2B SaaS company. I need to carve out these personas on LinkedIn and put thought leadership up in there in some LinkedIn ads and make sure I'm here on search and I'm competitor conquesting and all the budgets put to that so that there's nothing left 
to explore the next new cutting edge platform or way of digesting information and testing into that. And by the time budget and strategy have been created to do it, your brand's number 20 in your space to have tried it. And so you're already behind the curve yet again. Got it. Now, with your companies, are they predominantly all inbound led? Are they, I'm guessing, not outbound led or are they a combination of the two? Can you give us some context of the lens through which you're, you're really looking at this? Certainly. They are predominantly inbound led. Um, obviously, uh, the, the big kind of oft-used buzzword is, is product led. I would say for the, the majority of them being B2B SaaS platforms, the goal is often to get inbound usage and let the usage of the product really then push higher tiers of revenue and higher tiers of customer. I would say on the whole, the typical Statwax client is not going to be the one whom is requiring a six-figure annual commitment just to get in the door and, and deploy an enterprise level of the product. It's one for whom there is a targeted type of buyer at a company, but the barrier to entry is low enough to push for some demoing and some free trial and then let product usage really guide them to fall in love with it versus the competitors and explore higher tiers of usage and bring more of their company and more of their team into it. But to get them to that point, it is predominantly inbound, um, whether organically through thought leadership and brand building, or in our case, uh, through digital spend on a number of different channels. Okay. And whenever you're talking about digital spend, you're talking digital advertising, SEO, and those type of things, right? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Now with product-led, I'm really curious on this. What's the typical, um, not customer acquisition cost, what's your typical contract value on a stereotypical product-led? And I'll have a couple of follow-ups off of that. Definitely. You're talking kind of the, uh, the, the revenue value to the client themselves. Correct. Yes, exactly. Um, gosh, it, if we're looking kind of for average price points, you know, it's anywhere from, um, like, a, a hundred bucks a month in recurring revenue all the way up to, to a few grand. Um, most of our clients and, and that, that might even be a segue into some of your, your follow-up questions. Most of our clients come to Statwax with this understanding that they, they have a lot of this data on who is buying right now and what do they need to do in the product to on average push in the higher tiers but they're still in that early enough mode where they're still trying to suss out lifetime value and kind of the ideal journey to get the best sort of annual recurring revenue. So we do have a couple of clients who are on pretty heavy annual recurring revenue of 20, 30 grand plus all the way up approaching six figures if they get to that enterprise level. But on the whole, our clients for a lot of them would be looking at um, almost like a HubSpot type of offering where I can get in there for 25, 50 bucks a month and get a seat or two. And if I can convince those decision makers at my company, then we start exploring pro and enterprise level where we're getting into a few grand a month. And that's when we're turning into that kind of annual, you know, $20,000, $30,000 annual revenue customer. Yeah, because yeah, I find this really interesting, right? So I'm, I'm fairly old school here, Brian. My, my gray hairs will start to show it, right? Yeah, and so... I like the, having the control of outbound, but outbound doesn't make sense if you're not seeing a $7,000 plus and probably a lot more plus, probably eight, $9,000 at this point, especially with inflation, we might be at 10 grand by oh, the time sure. this thing comes out. So unless if you're seeing about a 10 grand profit per average sale or probably 25,000 
profit per lifetime value, you know, over three years outbound with that sales development over to an AE likely doesn't make sense. So I'm kind of curious as to, are there delineations like that in this digital marketing space? 